You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Dive right into today's message. Uh, God has been stirring this series inside of us, really through the fall. Uh, this idea of stewardship. We are calling the series "Built to Thrive." Everyone say "Built to Thrive." Oh, there's Ted. Hey, Ted. I, I okay. You didn't fall in. I, I was wondering if you're out there smoking in the boys' room, but uh, all right, good. Anyway, Built to Thrive, it's a stewardship series, and really it's rooted in this idea that we, are, we have purpose when we come into the family of God, that God has a plan for us. We see this in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says this, It is in Christ, everyone say in Christ, that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. And this is incredible, that we are part of what God has for us. He has big plans. And so we started the series talking about uh, are we an owner of things or are we just a steward of things? And we realize from a biblical perspective, we don't own anything. And that is a huge change uh, or a a mind shift from the world's thinking. Uh, We are just stewards. In fact, we uh, have this this, uh, idea that we are just with arms open, where God can give us stuff, but we can also give it away. We're just stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. And so we talked about time for a couple weeks. We started talking about time. What does God God say about time? Well, he says that we should rest, uh, that our days are, are important, that we can do more in six days than we can in seven. We call that Sabbath rest, right? Taking a day off. Uh, we were created with work and rest rhythms. And so we, we go through the day, we know that, and then out of a rest, a Sabbath rest, which I hope some of you have been getting into those waters, trying it out, saying, hey, we're going to take a day and do no work. And hopefully that's going to rejuvenate you because when we Sabbath rest, out of that, we can be productive for the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we honor God's day. And then we can do whatever we want the rest of the time. Now, Pastor Sean came with a second message about time. And all of our time is his. Again, it's a radical thought. And Pastor Sean encouraged us last week to slow down. He asked us the question, are we doing too much? We wrestle with hurry and understand that hurry and love are incompatible. They don't go together. And so we're to slow down, to be with Jesus, to be with others, and even to be with ourselves, and to enjoy the season that we're in. Sean, when you got to the end of your message last week, Jessica and I were on the front row, and uh, literally, uh, I gasped. I was like, <gasps> like, we needed to hear that. Enjoy the season we are in. Amen. 
So the truth about time, Satan would love to come in and trick you up around time, right? Believing that you need to be doing something every moment of every day. And, and that's what Satan would try to get you to do. That's the, the American way for sure. And that's why Sabbath is so key. Because it recognizes that we are loved by God no matter if we do anything or nothing, right? And our desire to do, if we're not careful, can crowd out the desire for silence and meditation and prayer and scripture and time with the Lord. And we said the last couple of weeks when we were talking about time, that time, we are never a better steward of our time than when we are spending time in the presence of God. So that's kind of where we've been. And then the overall idea of this series is that we would be called godly stewards. And not just called that, but that we would embrace this idea that we are godly stewards. Again, holding out our hands. Let's, in fact, let's do that together. We want to put our hands out saying, all right, God, we are yours. You can get it to us. We're, we're stewarding. We are, and then we can give it away as well. We're godly stewards. And Satan does not want you to surrender your time, your talent, or your treasure. Uh, but these three are the big rocks that we want to get in first. This series is built to thrive. And time, talent, and treasure, we talk about that in Get Connected. We talk about it in membership. These are discipleship pieces that being a part of the body of Christ, we need to embrace in order, in order to become a godly steward. That's the goal, that we would experience abundant life, that we would have a blessed life, fulfilled, peaceful, joyful. And in regards to time, the solution is not more time, it's to slow down. And so now we're going to move on to the second and take talents and look at that. What is talent? It's our skills. It's our ability. It's the way we're bent or created by God. It's our capacity. It's the things we do. And before we get too far in, you might be thinking to yourself, Wait a second, you're trying to trick us up here, right? Last week, Pastor Sean's like, you might be doing too much, and now all you want to talk about is what we're doing, and maybe it's more and more and more. Well, I've got good news. Being a godly steward is not about doing more, more, more. Maybe for some of you, if you're on the sideline and not doing anything for the kingdom, maybe you should do more. But most likely, for most of us, it's still a subtraction doing less so you can do what you were created to do best, leaving things that are good off to the side. Because the truth is, we are not doing machines. We were not created just to work, 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 work. We are deeply loved sons and daughters, and God delights in us. He wants to spend time with us. And if we start our discussion on talents with this idea of God's great love for us and that he does not need us to do anything, it's then we can embrace Wayne Mueller's quote that we've talked about the last couple of weeks, that we can enjoy our relative unimportance. I love that. To find our humble place in the universe, honoring our human limitations, which we all have, and the truth is, life's going to pass us by, like whether we like it or not. We're going to do some work. We're going to rest. But it's God who continues the work. He's the one that's in control of all those things. 
when we talk about these things, time, talent, treasure, and, and uh, talk about stewarding and being a godly steward, my heart has been that we, we prepare and we say, oh, God, help us. We want to not only have head knowledge, we want to have a transformation knowledge in regards to these things. We don't, like, what if we actually took these messages to heart and changed a few things, readjusted our priorities? That is the goal. So let's look at it from a biblical lens. What does the Bible say about talents? And one of the best places to turn, I think, is Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 verse 10 is our key for today. But I want to start in verse 8 because it's so powerful. It says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. How many are thankful, grateful for that verse, right? So good. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Again, it's nothing you do, right? We're not doers, right? We're not doing machines. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of you can boast about it. And then here's verse 10. Here's the key. For we are God's workmanship or or masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love that. So we can do the good things he's planned for us. We're not doing everything, but we are called to do. We were created with a purpose. And this verse in particular reminds me of this little treasure that I'm about to unveil. In first service, they missed the cues big time. I'm just going to set you guys up that when I unveil this, I mean, my expectation is that your mind's going to be blown, all right? And uh, it's going to be great. So um, so this is, uh, when I think of Ephesians 2.10, my mind always goes to this little treasure right here. Well done. Well done. Well done. Thank you. This is a custom, one-of-a-kind, handcrafted by yours truly, Masterpiece. Thank you very much. (laughs) And I made this when I was in high school, in shop class, and I made it with a, a purpose. I made it specifically to fit my stereo system on the top here, a piece was here, and then I had some records under here, and then I, I, and then I had speakers off to the side, and this was created with a purpose. Some of you have heard the story before. One Christmas, I took back every single gift that was given to me, including like the cheap $5 underwear. I was just like the principal of it. I'm like, I'm taking it all back because all I asked for were speakers and my parents didn't listen. And so I took back everything, bought speakers to go with the system that was on top of here, and it was in high school. I'm a little ashamed of it, but not, not that much. But, but, I, but, the, but the reason I'm sharing this, and I, I mean, it's, it's a beauty, I know. It's patina, it's, it's just, it's, it's just I, I love this. It, I love this piece. It was a high school project. I went to go look for this. I was thinking about it all week. I'm like, I'm working in the office, and, and I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that thing out. And I thought it was in Reagan's room. And she lives in Cairo, Egypt, so her room is like the catch-all or whatever. And I, th- and I, and I know that she used to use it. 
And I went into Reagan's room, and I seriously thought Jessica had thrown it away or something because it wasn't there. And then I'm like, what in the world? I go in the basement. I couldn't find it. It was in Logan's room, and he had it. And get this, this true story. He had his stereo system on it with the speakers. I didn't even know it. That's how long I'd spent since I'd been in his room, but, uh, I guess. But, uh, but anyway, uh, but it, it was created with a purpose. And I said first service over 25 years ago. Jessica's like, Ben, we've been married 28 years, so it's more like 30 to, between 30 and 35 years ago. I mean, this is an antique. And it's not for sale. All right. But when I think about this, and I think of Ephesians 2, verse 10, the truth is, is that you were created for purpose, just like this table was. That's the truth. You're gifted. You have skills. You were created to make a contribution, not just to consume. You were created to serve God. And by the way, when you serve others, you're serving God. And in God's kingdom, you have a place, you have a purpose, you have a role to fulfill. And I, there's not one person in this room or online that is exempt from that truth. And I don't know how you would rate this piece of furniture, this end table, this beauty. That I pulled out of the wreckage. I told Logan, maybe your son someday will get it. Where is Logan, by the way? He was playing drums. Now I can't find him. He usually sits up front. He's probably, he, he's probably smoking too. Ted, if you gave him a cigarette, you're in trouble, brother. <laughs> okay. But anyway, I, I told him first service. I'm like, man, uh, you know, this, this is an heirloom. And uh, yeah, anyway. Totally lost my train of thought. I hope he's not smoking in the boys' room. All right. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know how you'd rate this between a 1 and a 10. I mean, but to me, this is a perfect 10. It's perfect. It's perfect. And the same is true with God. You are a perfect 10. He's created you. Because, according to God's word, God does not make junk. Will you say that with me? God does not make junk. He does not waste anything. He, he in, in regards to the abilities that he's given you, your interests, your talents, your gifts, your personality, your life experiences, he doesn't give you all that unless he intends you to use those things for his glory. Amen? And according to the scripture, the apostle Paul says that our lives are to be a living sacrifice. It relates to our purpose, to our calling, right? So according to Scripture, we are all called. In fact, we're commanded to serve. We're called to ministry. And that doesn't mean just the you know priests and pastors and teachers and nuns and the clergy. No, each and every one of us are created and called to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And the Apostle John, he also t- teaches us that loving service to others shows that we really have been saved, that God has done a work on the inside of us. I really like how Rick Warren takes that scripture from 1 John 3.14, and he, he, he says this. He says, if you have no love for others... If you have no desire to serve others, if you're only concerned for yourself and your needs, then you should question whether Christ really is in your life. 
Because a saved heart, someone that's given their heart to Jesus, is one that wants to use their talents for God. Remember, at the end of our lives, what are we hoping to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant, right? And in regard to that, God, he doesn't make junk. He gives each of us a personality, a variety of personalities, and I'm grateful for that. Some of us are introverted, some are extroverted, some are thinkers, some are feelers, and some are just crazy. But God doesn't make junk. In regards to our experiences, he will use anything we offer him for his glory. So you can take your family background, your education, your vocation, your spiritual experiences, even the most painful parts of your story, the things that you might want to keep hidden. And what does God do? He magnifies those and uses them if we allow him to do so. Do you believe that? But what's crazy is as true as that is, Satan is working double time to attack us. So we don't thrive. He wants to create discontent. He wants to create anxiety around our talents. And he wants us to be comparing with others. And, uh, and we've got to be careful. We have to keep our minds sharp so we know what God is doing. Now, in regards to the body of Christ, the, the church, uh, Paul, in his writing to the Corinthian church, uh, he talks about spiritual gifts early on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, uh, and he talks about the seven spiritual gifts or the nine spiritual gifts, and, uh, and he talks about how it's one spirit and all these things. And then he goes off and he talks about the human body related to the body of Christ. And if you're reading this just on first blush, you can be like, what is Paul talking about? I want to look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the section is verse 12 through 31. But verse 12 starts, it says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And then he says, so it is with the body of Christ. So we have the picture of the church, we have a picture of our own body, and he's saying, look, they're the same. Verse 14, he says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And then in the next few verses, he talks about the foot, and he talks about the hand, and the ears, and the eyes, right? Verse 18, he says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. Apparently, our nose is right where God wants it. Our elbows and knees are right where God wants them. Our booties, right where he wants them, I guess. I don't know. And, and so it's important. And then he goes on and he talks about how our eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, or your head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And he talks about the weaker parts of our bodies, the parts that we cover up. I mean, it gets risque. You can read it for yourself. And, uh, and then he says, if one part suffer, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And then I want to focus on verse 27 and on. He says this, all of you together are Christ's body. He's talking about the church. And each of you have a part. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. And he lists, first of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. And then those who do miracles. Those who have gifts of healing. Those who can help others. Those who have gifts of leadership. Those who speak in unknown languages. And the list could go on and on and on. 
And then he rhetorically asks the question, are all apostles? And the answer is no. Are we all prophets? No. Are we all teachers? Say with no. Do we all have powers to do miracles? No. Do we have all the gifts of healing? No. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown tongues? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown tongues? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts or talents, abilities. And for some of you, it's hard for you to believe that you are a valuable part of the body of Christ. The devil works overtime to convince you otherwise. But I want you to know, without a shadow of a doubt, we all are invaluable to God's work. It's just a truth. For this time, this time in history, God has placed you here. And if you're struggling with that, just remember the story where, the, where Jesus, he says he will leave the 99 to find the one. And if you're the one that's kind of off, and he will search you down. He's not letting you go. He, his love for you is so great. You are invaluable, practically valuable. Your gifts, your roles, your expertise, your capacity, the way you were created, your bent. You are a part of. Your story matters. Your gifts matter every single time. So when you show up, when you pray, when you serve, it makes a difference. And the devil knows it, and that's why he comes in. He's so sneaky, and he will try his very best to make you discontent with the talents and gifts that God has given and one of the ways he does that, he would love to get you to compare, to, pray, to play the comparison game. You might look at Pastor Jamie when she prays. And, uh, man, when Pastor Jamie prays, have you ever noticed how much Scripture just comes out of her? It's unbelievable. Like, I, I literally, I'm like, what in the world? I found out recently that she did teen Bible quiz as a, as a teenager, and so they were memorizing whole, whole sections of the Bible, and that's where she gets it from, from back then. But you might look at Pastor Jamie and say, man, I could never pray like that. Or you might know Pastor Bobby, his knowledge. And maybe you came to class this past week and you're like, man, he really knows the word. He knows a lot of things in general. And uh, I could never be as smart as Pastor Bobby. Or you might look at Pastor Sean and me. We're kind of the same in, uh, in, in a lot of ways. Not as smart as these guys. But, uh, but man, we, can, we know how to get along with people. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're people, people. And some of you might look at us and say, man, how do they do it? I could never get along with people the way Pastor Sean does or Pastor Ben, right? And we're comparing ourselves. And by the way, I, I put those in, in here in my notes because I, I've thought that before. And maybe you've thought these things before too. Or maybe you've thought thoughts like, I've made some big mistakes. I could never do this or that. I disqualify myself, right? Listen, the truth is, we're all messed up. We've all made some mistakes. We all have a dark side. We all have a past, whether that's just lying or cheating or, or uh, you know, stealing an orange from the groceries. I did that once when I was a kid. 
so weird. <laughs> or maybe it's something in an addiction. Or maybe you've been divorced and you're like, yeah, I'm disqualified. Or maybe you spent time in prison. I don't know. But the truth is you are invaluable and uniquely prepared for God's service. We're all in process, but we're all prepared. And by the way, we're built to thrive. God, he's created us to thrive. And so my question is, is what if we understood that and we, there was a hundred percent engagement, what, you know, saying, okay, I'm all in, right? What would be different what would be different here at the Gateway Church or on the lakeshore or stateside or to the ends of the earth? Well, I'll tell you this. There would be no lack. There would be no delay. There would be provision, resources. People would be engaged, empowered, right? There would be no excuses. I was reading in The Purpose Driven Life uh, by Rick Warren recently. I'm going through this with uh, the guy I'm mentoring. And uh, a little, we're not quite this far, but um, um, yeah. Bethel Christian, Assembly of God, Benjamin Vey, children's pastor. That was my, uh, that was my, wow. Sorry, I am super distracted. I'm going to keep on going. It says this. Rick Warren says, God wants to use you to make a difference in the world. That's what we're talking about, right? He says he wants to work through you. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of it. Not how long you live, but how you live. And then he goes on, and this is, he brings down the hammer at the end of this chapter. He says, if you're not involved in any service or ministry, what excuse have you been using? He says, Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Sorry, Leah. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair and all kinds of family problems. Welcome to the family. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts, Paul had poor health, and Timothy was timid. What's your excuse? That is quite a variety of misfits. Can we agree? But God used each of them in his service, and he will use you too if you stop making excuses. So last fall, we're thinking about the future. We're thinking about this series about stewardship. And in the fall, we do reviews. Uh, and every year I pray that when I give a review uh, for each of the staff members, I want it to be, you know, kind of a Holy Spirit moment that I want something from the Lord. And, uh, and because of some things that I was working on last summer, uh, God was stirring in me this, this idea of empowerment and delegation and uh, kind of the key to our future. And uh, so 2024, every single staff member, a uh, part of the review their a big action plan was, hey, we've got to figure out how to equip, delegate, empower if we're going to grow, if we're going to continue to grow. And that's our team working hard behind the scenes to push you guys forward to say, hey, we want you to do the work of the ministry with us. And we're working hard behind that. And that, I believe, is going to help us 
to continue to thrive, continue to grow. Because the truth is we're all created to do that. And, if, and God deserves our best. And so we want you to be working in what we call our sweet spots, right? Our sweet spot. We have a little thing and get connected. Uh, we did this last weekend uh, on Sunday. But we talk about our sweet spot. Our sweet spot, you say, well, well what does that mean? We want you working right where God has, has planned for you to work. And we, we take this assessment. We say our passion, our pain, and our proficiency. And we look at these three circles, if we could put those up. And we say, all right, where those three interact, that's where our sweet spot is. So let me explain. We start with our passion. Our passion is basically, what do you do after you're done doing what you have to do? Think about it for a second. What's your hobby? What do you, you know, are you creating something? Are you, is, are you into music? Are you, um, uh, do you enjoy, um, you know, woodworking? Or do you enjoy, you know, you know whatever it could be, a reading or whatever. Whatever your passion is, um, that, that's where you start. Then you look at your proficiency, saying, okay, well, what are you naturally good at? What do people notice about you and say, man, uh, wow, you're, that came easy for you. And then the pain is the part that is most difficult to assess. But it's, it's really spending time with the Lord saying, okay, in this world, when I look at what I, what I see, what irks me or what boils up inside of me to say, someone should do something about that. Let me give you a quick example in my life how this might work. So I'm passionate, you guys know, about watches. And I get laughed about, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a one-watch guy, but I will listen to watch podcasts. I, I, will, I will read watch magazines. And, uh, and, I mean, I've got a stack of them at my house. And uh, i got table books that are watches. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But I'm passionate about it. And, I'm, and, and so that, that's one thing. Then I'm proficient. Some of you know my story. I have the ability uh, to uh, see value in something, purchase it, and turn it for profit, to, to sell it for profit. I've been doing this ever since I was a teenager. My dad helped me start buying and selling cars, and I did it with cars, and I've done it with all kinds of things with watches as well. And, uh, and so it's something that I've just done. When I was a kid's pastor... Uh, back in Dayton, Ohio, I had a dealer's license. I had a truck and trailer. I'd go to auction, and I was flipping cars. My the most man, I sold eighty four cars in one year. I mean, it was a lot of cars. I mean, God really blessed me. I showed up to one Christmas party, and everybody at the Christmas party I had sold a car to. <laughs> And uh, I was like, hey, all right, and it was just fun. But what's crazy, I was proficient at it. It came easy. I, there were other children's pastors at the time in the area that were like, man, we want in on this. And I would take them to auction. We'd pick out a car. And they would, it, it would, where I was selling a car a week, it would take them a month and a half, two months to, to move one. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? They weren't proficient. You get what I'm saying? And then with pain, for me, Jessica and I, ever since we, we met on a missions trip, we have cared about reaching to the ends of the earth um, our entire adult life. And even as a kid, uh, that was something important to us. And it, pain, excuse me, it pains me to think that there are people in this world that do not have an adequate representation or example or understanding of the gospel story. And so that, I mean, I'm passionate about that. If you've been around for any time, you know missions is a priority. Today's Mission Sunday. And this is important. So you say, well, all right, well, how do you take your 
watches and buying and selling and that you're paying about missions and about what God's doing in the world. How, what, what is the sweet spot for me? Well, God has allowed me, for some reason, to buy and sell watches, cars, other things. Right now I've got a bunch of Patagonia hats and some stance socks. and I mean, I've got some weird stuff I'm selling. But I do it. I flip it for missions. And it, it, it comes easy. And if you try to do it, it probably frustrates you. But for me, it's easy. And again, we want to help you understand this. Out in the lobby, we took a page out of our Get Connected book. We talked about this last Sunday. Uh, some of you have been through Get Connected, and you're like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to do that, and you never did. I would encourage you. We have 50 copies out there. Grab one. Take one with you. Spend some time. If you spent 10 minutes just meditating and just saying, all right, God, what, what am I passionate about? Write a few things. What am I proficient about? What pains me? What, what, what really... There are people that uh, are passionate about, um, you know, life. And so like the Muskegon Rescue or Muskegon Pregnancy Center, like what the women are doing right now, that's important to you. And, you know, like what pains you about that, right? You write all those things and, and spend some time with this and say, God, show me where you want me to serve or where to get involved. Because remember, we're all called in the ministry. And I promise you, if you do that, it's gonna light bulbs will go off. And if you need help, or, or even if you just want to celebrate with us, I, I've had people come in and do this with me. And it's so much fun to get to know you, but also where we can kind of say, okay, wow, there, there's some things here that we can capitalize on. Find your sweet spot. It's so important. And once you do, then you say, Lord, I'm available. You pay attention to the, re- the needs around you, you use what you have, you're faithful, and you try to stay low profile about it. I was uh, sharing last week, um, first service, uh, we had a, a group coming in uh, from Teen Challenge uh, that attend first service sometimes, and uh, one of the ladies slipped because uh, it was raining on the way in, and uh, uh, Larry Scott, uh, he just got right to work, he helped her up, and immediately he went and got a mop and uh uh, floor is slippery signs, which we already have some up, but he put out some more. And he literally, the rest of the day, he was out there mopping, making sure people were safe. And he did it, not for the accolades. Later in the week, his 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 wife works for me, uh, or works, works for us in the office, uh, Bonnie, if you know Bonnie. Um, he was... He visited uh, someone that hadn't been around for a little bit this week. He had been out of the country, and we thought he was supposed to be back, whatever. And anyway, he stopped in and said hello. And uh, again, not for the accolades, but just because he was available to do it. And uh, and it, it just, it's not for the high profile. It's more like thinking like a servant, right? Thinking of others more than ourselves, Think like a steward, not an owner. And when we do, we will become world-class believers, godly stewards. Godly stewards. That is what God has for us. To take our talents, our gifts and abilities, and to get those to work. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask Mary if you'd join me. Um, I want to bring this to a close. And uh, and 
Um, we're not auctioning this off, but you can come and take a look after if you want. <laughs> but, uh, but, but as Mary comes, uh, I just want you to, I hope you feel my passion for what I created. But, uh, uh, oh, I know, Logan, was, we weren't bringing the team back up. That's why he left, because he's here for a service. So he's not smoking in the back. It just it just hit me like oh that's why he didn't stick around okay yeah yeah so anyway all right but anyway but the passion I have for this fun little end table um, God has that same passion for you and for some of you in this moment you're wrestling with the belief like man I don't know and I just want to challenge you look at what God's word says Ephesians two ten. We are God's workmanship. You're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. But not created purposeless, but created to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. And that's a call for every single one of us, young and old, to embrace that. So I want to pray for you. And as I pray, some of you are going to feel like, man, I, I need to really pick up that pain, passion, proficiency, spend some time with that. And, and may, just put a mental mind. You're not walking out of here without grabbing one, okay? And if we run out, we can print more. Trust me. Uh, these are great. And some of you are saying, hey, maybe I, I took a first run at that, but I need to do it again. And then let someone know. But mostly, I want you to have the confidence that God is at work to use you. And by the way, uh, he wants to use you in the season right where you are, down the road. I want to pray for you. And then got just a couple other things. Lord, I pray. Wow. Time. Lord, I pray that you would just seal this moment in our hearts. Help us, God, to embrace what you have for us help us to really wrestle with stewarding the talents and abilities that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We do have a big announcement. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, I just want to speak to this idea that the Lord loves you so much. So much that he would leave the 99 for the one. I mentioned that earlier. And, and really, from a stewardship standpoint, you might think, man, that's not using your resources very good. Concentrate on the 99. But no, you are valued so much that he pursues you. He's coming after you. In regards to salvation, um, in your need for salvation, he wants nothing more than for you to surrender your life and say yes to him. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. You are the most important to Jesus. His desire is to know you. And the cool thing about salvation is we do not have to do anything. Jesus has already done the work. We just need to receive that free gift. And if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus to save me. Would you just lift up your hand right where you are? Just nice and, nice and high so I can see. Thank you. See that? Thank you. I see that. Yes. Yes, sir. Got three here. Anyone else? 
someone else just nice and nice and strong so I can see. For the sake of the three, I want to just lead you in a prayer, and then we've got some resources before you head out. I want to make sure I get those in your hand, but let's pray. And you can just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life, but today I put my faith in you. Thank you for chasing after me and for saving me. I put my hope in you. Save me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the angels in heaven rejoice. Uh, Wow. Uh, How exciting. And we'll follow up with a couple of you guys that that, uh, raised your hands for sure. Love you guys. Ah, awesome. Mary, thanks for making that closing so awesome and um but uh i've gone about 10 minutes longer than i expected i don't know what got in me so i'm sorry but we've got some really exciting things um and so uh sean and bobby if you guys could be ready to go here momentarily uh we're going to get something in your hands um about our future but uh but this is exciting day uh last year at our annual business meeting Uh, We had a lot of questions about the future of the church, and uh, if you were here on the first side or on the you know through the building process, and uh, were with us at Pontaluna, let me just see how many of you guys attended church at Pontaluna down the road. Okay, so maybe about half of you. Okay, that would be my guess. Um, And so at that point, when we talked about building here, uh, we we knew that we were going to build in phases, that it would be phase one, phase two, phase three, and, uh, and that's kind of was always in the plan. And, uh, but I, let me just back up for a second. When I became the pastor at the Gateway Church in 2006, the leaders of the church at that point, they had looked for property. They looked for buildings to renovate, and they were hitting road uh, dead ends uh, everywhere they turned. And, um, and, and so in 2007, uh, it was like in February or March, I remember there was snow on the ground. There was a for sale sign, and someone uh, tipped us off to this property. And we came and looked at it, and the, the team there, they were like, all right, I think this is where God wants us. And it was zoned right and all the things. That was in 2007. We purchased the property uh, with cash the, uh, from the sale of a previous uh, facility that the Gateway Church owned. And so there was, uh, so we owned it in 2007. Seven years later, we started raising funds for this building. It took seven years for us to kind of get, get the vision, get the people going, get, and, just, and it was God's timing. We, I trusted that. Uh, but we knew that we'd end up here. And then in, uh, in 2014, we pulled the trigger, and the Lord had put it on our hearts to build and to build debt-free. Some of you guys were a part of that story. Some of you might have heard that story. Some of you might, this might be the first time. You look around, everything you see was debt-free. And there were some miracles along the way. Of provision. I mean, every square inch of concrete in the entire building, all the uh, um, curbing, all of the sidewalks, all of the light posts, all of that uh, concrete was donated 100%, and uh, that was a huge blessing. Uh, we had a family that visited the church in uh, the summer a couple times, and we were giving an update in our process of, of, of uh, um, 
raising funds, and we were talking about where we were in the process, and they own four steel companies uh, across Michigan, three in Detroit, one in Grand Rapids, and they're like, hey, uh, we would like to donate all of the steel studs for the rest of your building. And we're like, okay. I mean, it was a huge donation. Uh, there was a point where we were stuck in our fundraising. We were about $130,000 shy uh, of uh, before we could move forward, and uh, we, we were like, all right, we really believe this is God's time. We were ready to pull the trigger. We, uh, I literally, I put a suit on in a tie, <laughs> and I got on video, and I mean, I haven't, I mean, it was like I was going to a funeral, but I was like, I'm, I'm taking this serious, and I, I shared the, the news that we were $130,000 short from uh, moving forward, and uh, we had at that point uh, a family in the church uh, that said, hey, they would match up to $100,000 dollar for dollar, but we needed it like in, a, in like 10 days, and uh, God moved, and we raised about $160,000. Many, many of you were a part of that. It was exciting, and I say all that to say we moved in to the building Five years ago this month, and it was, and we have enjoyed this building, but we moved in, and yeah, it's been amazing. It's been such a blessing, um, but when we moved in, it was like bare bones. Our kids' ministry was pretty bare bones, and uh, so this last year, uh, we spent some money back in the kids' area. We, we, we have repainted every wall in the church, whether you realized it or not. Uh, we redid the parking lot. Uh, just that's a maintenance thing. And we just want to keep up on this place, making it look great. But we put a lot of money back in the kids because it's just important, right? And so and these are exciting things. And we did those things. But we also knew, and at the annual business meeting, we were talking about it last year. Like, what's the future in regards to phase two? And so in phase two, and that now let's go ahead and pass these out. Uh, we, we believe that it might be the time to move in that direction. We've been working in the fall with a, uh, our builders that helped us with this building. And by the way, when we built this building, we had some retired professionals called RV Maps that helped us, and that was part of the miracle as well. Uh, but we believe that it is our time to move forward with phase two. And so we're giving each and every person should get one of these. We want it in your hands, young and old, everyone. This really just kind of shares the vision of what we believe could be ahead of us. And, uh, and this is not a Ben Vey decision. I'm not the one making these decisions. This is a church body decision. We will decide this together. But when you get this, you're going to open it up on the first page. It says, Our Purpose. And let me, I just want to walk you through this. It says, For over 20 years, the Gateway Church has been helping people not only survive, but thrive in all areas of their life. And we know that we are able to do this when we live out our mission in pursuit to reach one more. Everyone say, reach one more. That is the priority. That is why we exist. That's what, what we put all these energies to bring one more person at a time uh, to, to heaven with us. It says, we have always been a debt-free church because we don't want anything to limit our ministry to those who need it. For the past several years, we have seen significant growth and success in every area of the church. I mean, God is really moving. We sense that. This success, however, has come with some growing pains. 
When we moved in, almost immediately, there was a few things that we realized that we needed. And we switched some things up. We took a bathroom and created a nursing mom's area. Uh, but we never had offices here. And so we, uh, but immediately we're like, oh man, uh, we, we could really use offices. We, we also realized that we didn't create any meeting spaces uh, for, uh, for connecting with people. And, and, and then we also... Uh, realized very quickly that when it came to classroom space, the kids' ministry is amazing, but we didn't have any additional classrooms where we could have classrooms uh, meeting at the same time as services or even like on a Wednesday night like this past week, every single room was was created or was being used and, uh, and, and we had no options for future. But anyway, so our problem, if you look at the center section there, it says we're currently seeing success in Several areas, a lot of areas. Number one, newcomers lunch. A meal for those that are new to the church so they can uh, connect with others and, uh, I can't even read, can meet others and, uh, that are new and also meet the pastoral team. Pastor Jamie came to me earlier, uh, or actually at the end of last year, and said, Pastor, I don't know if you realize, but when we get people to our newcomers lunch, the likelihood of them sticking with us goes up dramatically, like over 80%. So it's like, hey, you spend time with uh, my wife and Jessica or with Bobby and Kyle or Sean and Renissa or Mike and Jamie Jones, our our pastoral team. Listen, when you do that, apparently you like us, and uh, that's great. And we want to encourage you to do that. And then we move from there to get connected, right? A class for those who are who are new to, newer to the church, to help them discover their calling, learn their gifting, uh, give them an opportunity to get plugged into the church. And we've seen such success. We've gone through just the, that pain, passion, proficiency. is a small portion of that class. It's a great class, and many of you have already gone through it, and, uh, we'll, and we'll continue to be providing those. And then mentorship has been a breath of fresh air um, over the last couple of years. It's a ministry where we have... New, people new to the faith or people just want to grow in their faith uh, to meet regularly with a mentor to grow in their spiritual insight and discipline. And the crazy thing, the problem is that right now, all of these classes meet in the Gateway Kids Wing, causing stress and disruption after services and during the week. If you've ever had a meeting with anyone here at the church, uh, it's set up, tear down. It's uh, after, uh, after church, if we're having a meal for Get Connected or we're having a meal for uh, newcomer's lunch or we're doing membership or a baptism class, it's a mad dash to get kids out and uh, set up. It's, it's a real, real hassle. And so we know that we would benefit from having additional classrooms in the facility. So our plan, phase two, is additional classrooms. We believe will provide an opportunity for more people to meet at the church for different purposes at the same time. It's, a, it's my heart to have a class for new believers that just is ongoing, that when people get saved, we plug them in and say, hey, next week, come at 9 o'clock to class and then go to church at 11 o'clock, right? Or, or vice versa. And uh, we just believe that that will be a blessing. Meeting spaces, additional meeting spaces will provide the needed privacy for mentoring, which is, which is growing, counseling, and other pastoral and ministry services. We don't have a place to have a private conversation in this building. It's just the, the fact. And then offices. Additional offices will provide the staff with the needed space to better equip 
to be to be serving. Listen, our entire team, we live out of backpacks. We're not complaining. Uh, we knew that that was the goal, uh, or that, that was going to be the situation, and all the setup teardown will continue. These rooms are multi-purpose, and we want to use them and abuse them and then redo them, right? And uh, it's great, but uh, but we just believe that having offices will help. And so what we feel the need is at this point is phase two, a 3,000-square-foot addition. And the estimated price is $600,000, $200 per square foot. And that's all in. That's for, for all the things. And there's a little diagram there. Now, if you cl- start closing this out, we believe our potential is huge. But it really starts with us praying as a congregation and asking the Lord, Lord, is this what you have for us? Our leadership has been working behind the scene, our staff, our board. We, we believe this is it. Uh, but it's not, it's the voting members that will come together March 3rd for our annual business meeting and pull the trigger to make this happen. And if we say yes, then a couple weeks after, on Palm Sunday of this year, before Easter, we will receive our first official offering. And we believe that this is a 2024 project. This is something God, he's been working behind the scenes on our behalf already, and he has all the provision that we need. And all he's got to do is get it to us to get it through us. We're just stewards of what God has given us. Amen? And so on the very back, it says, continuing to connect the people of Lakeshore with God, with each other, with the world. You can give today. There's a QR code. You can start to give, and this will link directly to the building uh, project, and uh, that will be great. The cool thing is, is there have been people uh, ever since we've been in the building for five years that have been faithfully, little by little, every month uh, there's been money given to the building fund, and so we have a little already, uh, but we know uh, we have a target now, and we are sharing that need, and we want you to be praying and asking the Lord, is this the direction we're to go? And if we say yes, then it's, Lord, can you get it to us? And we believe it's absolutely possible. Will you stand with me? And I, I want to just say that um, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes to get to this point to share, and we're super excited to do so. Um, uh, the last time when we built, uh, one of the things God put on my heart at that point is I met with a lot of business leaders in the church, and I was having meetings and asking, you know, hey, would you partner with us? Um, I am not compelled to do that. Um, I feel like the Lord has kind of put on my heart last year. I've shared it to do less striving and letting God do more. And so what that means is I'm not going to be knocking on your door, uh, or our team is not going to be knocking on your door. But if the Lord is putting something on your heart, if you have questions, we are 100% available. You can come to us, uh, but we're not going to be, uh, we're going to keep it in front of you over the next several weeks uh, for sure. But we just believe that God is in this. We think that God is working, um, and, uh, and we just, uh, this is our next step. To, to get to the finish line. And so uh, what I'd like you to do is I would like you just to close your eyes for a si- second and just ask the Lord to speak to your heart even at this early moment. Uh, this is the first time many of you have heard about this. Others of you uh, have, uh, it's kind of trickled out a little bit here and there, but uh, for most of you here, and, uh, and just say, God, would you direct us? Would you order our steps? And Lord, I pray that as you speak to us, Lord, that we would 
hear your call. And, Lord, we'd be obedient. And, Lord, that you'd help us along the way. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you so much. Thank you for sticking with us. I know I kept you a little longer than normal. Uh, Go in the grace of God. Have a great week, and we will see you uh, Wednesday night uh, or next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.